In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. All right, welcome into the OBR podcast. As always, we're going to celebrate Victory Week here on the podcast. I hope that you get a chance to check out the Freddie Adu uh, podcast that we advertised at the beginning of the show before the music kicked in. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting one, whether you like soccer or not. Uh, he is somebody I knew about, and I didn't know anything about soccer uh, back when he was signed and all the big deals. So make sure you check out uh, that podcast with Grant Wall. Um, and probably pronounced his name wrong as well. I'm good at that. Uh, but we are going to spend today this victory Monday going into Tuesday with my guy, your guy, the funny guy, Mr. Stephen Thomas. How are you, sir? I am good, my friend. Uh, and before I forget, I don't know if we, uh, if we have seen, if anybody has seen this yet. They probably will have by the time we uh, post this. But uh, the Browns revealed who the COVID person was. It's Andy Janovich. He's been put on the reserve COVID nineteen list that just came across. So yeah, let's hit that real quick. I think uh, I posted on Twitter, and I think it's going to be interesting. Is you know, whenever uh, uh, COVID hits, really the first thing you think about is the room that they're in. And so Chris Hubbard is now gone, but from what we understand, none of the offensive linemen have tested positive. Now Andy Janovich, who most likely spends most of his time in the running backs room, we have to keep an eye on obviously the most important part of the team, which is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, with those two being in the same room as Andy Janovich. But Janovich has been interesting this year. He is a very good blocker, uh, but isn't regularly getting uh, a lot of snaps. So it'll be interesting if that means Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, who is a former offensive lineman, uh, or David Njoku, who obviously sometimes can block, uh, will get some of his time. So any thoughts on just if it's just Andy Janovich? Big concern, little concern, where are you at on that? Well, I mean, you know, first I think we need to say the most important thing is that he and anybody, you know, around him are healthy. I mean, you know, let's get that's far more important than football. But as it relates to the football team, yeah, um, not only the running backs, but the running backs spend a lot of time with Baker, um, you know, and I know they've said that there's little evidence of on-field transmission and everything like that, but we're still learning about this. And, you know, Janovich is a – you know, as a fullback, as you know, if we want to go into cliche land, lunch pail guy, old school, you know, all that kind of. He finds himself in a lot of pileups. I mean, he's not afraid to <laughs> get in there and, and bang around and get you know up in somebody else's jersey, breathe right in their face. So, uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure the the Browns have been one of the teams that's been better at um, respecting the protocol, and then when things happen, they follow the you know the the guidelines and everything they've been really good at it uh to this point and i expect them to continue to do the same so um yeah but if it ends up that you know later today tomorrow uh they decide that uh, nick or or reem or or whoever uh, also has to go into the five days how's that going to affect what is looking like an even more critical game than we thought it was going to be coming up 
against Philadelphia um, in you know potentially more bad weather. So I don't know I, if he, if it's just Andy, I, I I'll feel a lot better about it. But I think we're 48 hours away from knowing you know at least 48 hours away from knowing the scope of it at this point. So. It's a loss, don't get me wrong, because he he's one of those guys that does a lot of things that people don't see uh, but are necessary. Um, but like you laid out when you were talking about it, there are other guys who can step in and they can sort of, you know, I call it Frankensteining a replacement. This guy does this part of Andy's job and this other guy does this other part of Andy's job. And between them, you know, they've, you've created a, a new Andy Janovich. Um, so I, I think they'll be okay uh, from a football standpoint if it's just him. Uh, hopefully it's just the one game. And uh, most of all, hopefully uh, he beats it quickly and he's healthy. You know, folks, you can tell the quality of a person when their fir- their first response is to care about somebody. So on Twitter and here in the podcast, I have failed that both times. But Stephen Thomas jumping all over, obviously the highest priority is people's health. Everything else comes secondary, but unfortunately sometimes – my brain goes directly to how it affects the team that we cover and the team that we love, which now is, Stephen, it is, the Cleveland Browns are 6-3, and three, and <laughs> if the Cleveland Browns were in the NFC East, or even really in the NFC, there, we would be feeling almost on top of the world, we would, we would have all these hopes and dreams and, and aspirations, but unfortunately the Cleveland Browns are 6-3 and three in the AFC, which has nine teams that are have six wins or more, and they currently sit in the eighth spot just ahead of whatever random tiebreaker they, they have on the Titans. But let's talk about yesterday's, I'm going to call it the weather win against the Houston Texans. What is your takeaway? When, when you look at that game where they lost to the Raiders in a weather game and now they beat the Texans in a weather game, what is your takeaway about the team winning yesterday? Um, I think just that. They won. I mean, it, when you're talking about weather like yesterday and the Raider game, which, uh, I mean, it was almost as bad. It, you know, obviously it was worse yesterday because they had the delay and everything, but it wasn't that much worse. It was, they were pretty similar. So it's very difficult to draw any conclusions, especially uh, specific conclusions, especially about offense when you're playing in such just, you know, putrid conditions. I, I mean, yeah, Baker threw for, what, 134 yards or something? It was a low total. So, you know, if you just box score scout, you're going to go, oh, you know, he had a, a bad game or whatever, didn't didn't move the offense. You gotta, well, first of all, nobody could have moved it. I mean, you're just not going to Marino a, a game in conditions like yesterday. Second, they had Nick Chubb back, and, you know, and Kareem Hunt looked refreshed. That was one of the things I took away from the Raider game. In addition to everything else that went wrong, um, he just he was dinged up like the rest of them. They needed that bye badly. He just didn't have the burst. He didn't have uh, the bend uh, you know, in the Raider game. He looked so much different uh, yesterday. Um, the whole team did. Um, and I think if you're going to make any conclusions, you can only really be general uh, about them because the weather just makes it impossible to analyze virtually anything that anybody does. But in general, getting those reinforcements, but getting Nick Chubb back, uh, getting Wyatt Teller back, uh, um, getting Austin Hooper back, who, again, you know, it's not like he lit up the stat sheet, but him out there is, is a huge difference. Um, it, they just looked different. Yeah, even in the bad conditions, they looked more energetic. They looked more like that team that was 4-1. and one. Even though they only put up 10 points, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they had, I don't think they had any three and outs, did they? I mean, they moved the ball 
fairly consistently uh, most of the day. Um, so in general, I think you can conclude that they are much better off than they were two weeks ago. They got out of two toss-up games in horror one-on-one, which is better than they've done in 20 years. Uh, <laughs> normally they use, lose both of those games and lose them easily. So I think the big thing that you sit, if you sit here and you look at the, uh, the playoff standings, um, there's, yeah, they're nine teams, six and three or better, and it's a log jam. But yesterday it was more about teams backing up to them rather than catching up to them from behind. So that's why there's more teams. I mean, going into yesterday, I was one who thought the Colts would lose. Um, I thought the Ravens would win. Uh, I, I, you know, I think everybody pretty much figured that the Titans and the Ravens' playoff spots were, you know, written in, if not in ink, in, you know, thick pencil. <laughs> uh, and, and now they play each other this week. So one of those teams is, is going to be six and four, and they're going to be falling behind. And I think it, you don't want to get crazy. But I actually think yesterday this log jam that they're currently on the bottom of will help them um, because they can gain ground on more teams if they continue to take care of their business. If they can grab these next two and get to eight and three, they have a good chance of being in that five spot because you know a lot of these teams play each other. The Raiders play, I think, next week or the week after. They play either the Colts or the, or the Dolphins. Uh, like I said, the Ravens play the Titans. So these teams are going to be beating each other up, handing each other losses, while the Browns have two eminently win- winnable games ahead of them. And so if they can get to 8-3 and three and be a game, maybe two games up in the loss column on two of these teams, it's going to look so much rosier uh, than it does right now when they're sitting at the bottom end of this logjam. Now, if they, you know, if they only split and go 1-1, one and one, then they're in for a dogfight for the uh, for the remaining games on the schedule, but uh, there's a pretty pretty much a golden opportunity uh, to overcome that loss uh, to the Raiders a couple of weeks ago, sitting right in front of them. You know, I think uh, you can see Stevens' long history of looking at other games and seeing how they impact the Browns. <laughs> Except we used to do that all the time when it came to the draft and draft positioning. But quickly, he can put all those things together. Whereas I am so used to looking at the bottom of the the, the standings that I'm confused by nine teams being six, having six wins or more in the AFC. Like, is this normal? How does this <laughs> normally look up here? I really have no concept because it feels like six and three, I should feel better about just in general that they're six and right. three. Like, I should be like, all right, they're fifth in the league. They're, they're sixth, you know, whatever, but not nine teams with six or more wins in week ten. Like, that feels crazy. But, again, I'm not used to looking at this part of the – of the standings, I'm used to hitting league, going down to the bottom, figuring out where the Browns are, figuring out losses, strength of schedule, all of that kind of stuff, uh, but it's working out for you. I think the other thing with yesterday's game, and I mentioned it uh, on the victory pod, but the reality is, is you're right. If you're box score uh, evaluating or scouting Baker Mayfield, you can say whatever you want, but then you have to look at Deshaun Watson's. He had less than 200 yards. He had one touchdown. He completed more passes, had 10 more attempts. So, yes, he did a little bit more, but A, he doesn't have the running game that Baker and the Browns do, but B, he still didn't have over 200 yards because there were times yesterday, Stefanski said it, but you could tell on the thing, they weren't going to throw the ball. Like, they just were not going to do it. Not going to happen. Like, the ball would have gone seven ways from Sunday, and they would have no idea where it was going. So, instead, 
we're going to run the ball, but then we're going to run the ball again. And you could even see it in that uh, Hollywood Higgins big third down conversion that I'll probably write about later this week is the ball was moving. Like, he bobbled right. it because the ball was moving. Baker kind of ripped that one, and the ball was still moving. So, yeah, you're right. Box score scouting, you're going to say one thing. But if you do that about Baker, you got to look over at Deshaun Watson and say similar, and then in the end you're stupid about both of them because that's just not how you evaluate. So it sounds like you're feeling good. There's not a lot we can take away from the weather win. And that as you look ahead and look at scheduling, which is something you're good at, you feel good about where the Browns sit for their playoff hunt right now at 6-3, and three, given what's in front of them and what's in front of some of the other teams. Yeah, I do. And I just, as I, as I was sitting here, I've got it, uh, the standings up in front of me here. I realized Buffalo is off. They're on their bye this coming week. So, theoretically, they're the third seed right now. you got Pittsburgh and Kansas City who are, you know, they're in. They're, they're, they're the top of the top right now, and then everybody else, but... The Browns could be tied. There could be like five teams tied for that third seed. You know, and now obviously the division winner is going to get it. My point is they'll be tied for third in the conference if they can win and get to seven and three. They'll tie the Bills. They'll probably be tied with you know, two or three of the Colts, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Titans, whoever. Um, and and that's, just, that's just crazy to me. There's, there's going to be teams. There very well could be teams that are seven and three sitting outside the playoff. Uh, hunt, which is just crazy to me. But yeah, getting back to your uh, your specific question, I do I do still feel good. I still very good because they are as healthy as they've been in a long time, and they still have you know I hate to use this word, but four quote unquote easy games on the schedule. They've got these next two that they should win. They they you know barring anything crazy, they they should beat the Eagles. They should beat the Jags. They have two New York teams on the schedule, and you know everybody's saying after yesterday, oh, the Giants are—they're playing so much. They're three and seven for God's sake. I mean, they're just in yeah, the NFC East. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe if they're still in the playoff hunt, then it becomes a tougher game. I—I I don't know. But again, those are four games that, on paper, at full strength, you're like, okay, unless they just, you know point the shotgun at their own feet for 60 consecutive minutes, they should win these four games. That's 10 wins right there. And now you're talking about, uh, you know, as, we have, as we've talked about before, the Titans are stumbling. Will they still be? I, I don't know. They're a very good football team, and I don't think the Browns match up particularly well against them. But they seem more beatable than they did two weeks ago. The Ravens seem far more beatable than they did two weeks ago. And then, of course, the ultimate wild card that everybody's talking about, if the Steelers have the one seed locked up heading into that last week, do they rest everybody? I think there's a very, very good chance that we're not going to be playing against Pittsburgh's, you know, start most of their starters. Now, does that mean that we still can't lose to them? Of course not. We've proven <laughs> that. But, um, I mean, you're talking about more winnable games than we thought even a week ago, really, if you look at it. Now, a week from now, we could be looking very different. If they go out and blow this game against Philly and the Ravens come out and look like they did earlier in the year and, you know, put a 40-burger on the Titans or, you know, something crazy like that, we could be changing our tune. But you're looking at four games they should win, which is 10. And then out of the rest of those, if they can just just find one more, maybe two more, but you know, if they can just find one more out of that other group of games, you're looking at 11 wins, and it's a crazy year. COVID has changed everything, but honestly, if you get to 11-5 and five and you still don't get in, 
there's really nothing you, you you couldn't have done much more. I mean, you got to tip your cap at that point and go. You know what? It just wasn't our year. So I really do still feel like I felt all year about their chance. I think they're going to get in. They're probably going to lose in that first round, but I don't care. I, I still think 10 wins is where they're going to end up with a playoff game. And you hit on a few things. So earlier today I uh, posted the, an article that we're going to end up rooting for the Steelers uh, yes. so that they are locked into that first seed. They're right now one game up on the Chiefs. So we will be rooting for the Steelers, which will feel weird. Another thing you, um, that's going to be posted later this week, maybe today, I, I don't know, um, but it's already uh, – there's an article I wrote, and one of the interesting pieces of that article is looking back at the 11-5 and New England Patriots when Matt Castle uh, took over for an injured Tom Brady. They were 11-5 and and didn't make the playoffs, and I mm-hmm. think that's where the whole tip your cap, understand what, what's going on, and, and this is just – this is the year that we're in, and if the Browns end up 10-6 and 6 or 11-5 and 5 and don't make the playoffs, well, a lot of that stuff was out of their control. Sure, they could have beat the Raiders, but the wind also was blowing 40 miles an hour, and the Raiders have like 1,500 or yeah, 1,500 pounds of, of offensive line that just blew holes and, and moved the whole defensive line back. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot that's just outside of their control. I guess my... Follow-up question to you before we talk a little bit about college football real quick. Is is there a, a playoff-a-thon? I know we have tank-a-thon. Do we have playoff-a-thon? I know New York <laughs> Times has a really fun, interesting, you can pick who wins so that things happen. Is there a playoff-a-thon uh, website that we need to be looking at? Because I know tank-a-thon very well. Um, <laughs> no, not that I know of. I know the ESPN playoff machine is uh, – is my favorite place to go every year. I, I think within the next couple of weeks is when they usually uh, uh, make that go live. And like you said, you, they can pick. You can pick who wins each game each week. And I always have been. I've been using that, like you said earlier, the past few years to to try and alter strength of schedule for the draft standings. You know, I mean, the the Jacksonville Giants game in Week 16. No, that has nothing to do with us. Yes, it does because it could change. We can get .02 different exactly. strength of schedule. <laughs> I mean, we have to have those conversations in our DMs all the time. Like, hey, well, I think if this happens, we can get strength of schedule by a half of whatever the crap, and we're like. We're losers. Yeah, we really need to get. How did how did we get women to marry us? I really I really don't know. Um, but going back to a couple of things you said earlier, um, uh, the eleven and five teams that didn't get in, um, older Browns fans will remember this: the eighty five team that won the division at eight and eight. They were the first eight and eight team, I, if I recall correctly, to ever get into the playoffs. The Denver Broncos that year were also eleven and five and did not get in. So. It doesn't happen often, but the way the thing is, the things are currently set up in the NFL as far as playoffs and rewarding division winners, uh, it's um, it, it can happen. So, yeah, I mean, just take care of what's in front of you, and I think they'll be okay. And as far as rooting for the steel, I simply can't do it. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot do it. But over the years, I have found a loophole, and I'll pass it on to our listeners for the Steelers and the Ravens and the Bengals. If we need them to win, here's what you do. Don't think of it as rooting for the Steelers. Think of it as rooting against whoever they're playing. It's just, 
I know technically it's the same thing, but it just feels so much better to not root for those guys. So it's a, it's a little loophole that I've invented for myself to keep my sanity when we need our most hated arch rivals to win games. But you're absolutely correct. You're at the article that you wrote, uh, and I've got something in the works. I'm, I'm probably going to publish it tomorrow about uh, um, early look at the rooting list for this coming weekend, who we need to root for, who we need to root against, and everything. Um, but you're right. If, if the Steelers can be locked in, uh, or to either the first you know seed, or you know if they lose a couple games and the Chiefs are locked into that first seed, and Pittsburgh's locked into the two. Basically, we want that last game to be meaningless for Pittsburgh. That's that's the best possible. Whether it's the one seed, the two seed, whatever it happens to be, you want them to be able to look at the standings and go, this game makes absolutely no difference. So we're not going to risk you know Ben and Juju and you know whoever T.J. Watt getting hurt and all that kind of stuff, and they put in. Uh, they bring up their practice squad guys, and that's who we play against because, you know, it, it's a very likely that that game's going to be extremely meaningful from our side, uh, either getting in or at minimum for uh, playoff positioning. Uh, indeed, indeed. And before we talk about college football and some level of pointlessness, got to talk to you about Indeed. 2020 has already shaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to find to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Like I always say, if you want to hire Stephen Thomas, Hire Stephen Thomas. That's awesome. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of all online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. And that's their total visit. So it's clear Indeed can get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Stephen, we go into college football is a cluster of, uh, I don't even know who's played, how many games people are going to play, who's going to get into the national title game. Are they going to play three games? Are they going to play eight games? Are they going to play ten games? For you, as you are often just kind of draft enthusiasts, really kind of uh, just deep end draft, how are you seeing the draft this year, and what do you think it's going to do to affect the Browns draft? Just, just say it. Draft moron. You know you wanted to say it. Just, just go ahead and say it. It's okay. I've heard I was trying to think of fart jokes, and I couldn't think of fart and football jokes, so I ended <laughs> up with, with deep end and you know, all that. And I was trying to think of those jokes in the the indeed read, and I just couldn't get them. And indeed.com slash blue wire, folks. Um, but I, I just couldn't get them. So draft moron is a good one, um, as as Barry calls himself the web dork. <laughs> Stephen, as as you look at what has happened, honestly, I don't even know. Besides Ohio State, which I watch, um, I really don't even know who has played what or how many games they've played. 
What have you seen this college season, and what do you think it's going to do for this upcoming NFL draft? Yeah, and who knows how many more they will get to play. I mean, you know, yeah, who will get into the playoff? At this point, the way it's been going the last few weeks, I will they even make it to the college play? I don't know. You know, it's just it's getting out of control out there. Um, but how it will affect as far as the draft goes is, again, in COVID, we're, this is brand-new uncharted territory here. Nobody knows for sure, but it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see guys – with tape versus guys without tape, and then guys with, you know, four games of tape who opted out, you know, in the last couple of weeks versus guys who play the rest of the season. I mean, there was an NFL GM two or three weeks ago. I'm blanking off the top of my head on who it was, and I'm paraphrasing here, but somebody asked him this question. If, a, you know, if you have two guys graded similarly, one of them opted out this year, one of them played, would you prioritize one over the other? And the GM said, you know, yeah, we, a guy we have tape on, if they're close, we'll definitely prioritize that guy in our you know draft rankings over somebody who's sat out this year. Now, will that play out by the time April comes around? I don't know, but that's a, a glimpse into one of the many unique things that they're going to have to deal with, and there are a few guys on the opt-out list that you know might be on the Browns' radar, Gregory Rousseau uh, being right at the top of that list. I mean, he, at the preseason, he was pretty much the consensus overall one edge, and now he hasn't played. And there was questions about his tape from last year, a lot of uh, techni- technique things, and, you know, was it more effort? Play? There was a, there was some questions from people within draft world. And now you look at the year that Quiddy Pay has put together uh, this far. It, will he overtake Rousseau for edge one? I, I mean, Can you I, say that name again for me, please? Uh, Quiddy Pay? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, uh, I, like, I like fun names, that's all. I'm, I'm 75% sure that's right. Um, but I mean, will it, or will, will in the end, will they look at Rousseau's age and his athleticism and, and, you know, he'll still go top, you know, five or six or whatever, or, or could it possibly, uh, you know, have him drift down to where the Browns are somewhere between, you know, 17 and 24 or wherever they end up somewhere in that range. Um, you could say the same thing, uh, further down, uh, the list for, uh, Nico Collins and Ambry Thomas at Michigan. You could talk about, um, um, uh, Michael Parsons at the top of the first round. Uh, I don't know that the Browns would take him an off-ball linebacker, but, you know, it's somebody, Jalen Twyman uh, at Pitt would seem to be a perfect fit for them, but he's not playing this year. Is it going to affect him? Will he still don't go on day one? Will he drift down to day two because he's a little bit undersized on top of not playing this year? I, there's so many unanswered questions, and I'll throw on top of it, we're not going to get the normal you know, overstuffed draft cycle. We're not going to get the NFL PA Bowl. We're not going to get the Shrine Game. We're, you know, at this point, we're still going to get Senior Bowl, but that's two months away. And I don't assume that together. either, right? Yeah, I mean, are we going to get the combine? We don't know. It's too far out in COVID world to be saying one way or the other whether those things will definitely happen. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating um, come April, and the Browns have a bevy of picks. So, Will they be more comfortable using nine picks on guys, you know, some guys that haven't played, other guys that played a schedule that's not their normal schedule? Like Zach Wilson's tearing it up, but the, BYU really hasn't had any stiff competition. And I love Zach Wilson. I'm not. That's not a cut against him. I'm just saying there are a lot of guys like that. You look all over uh, the NFL. We've, we've talked about you know defenses are struggling this year and wondering if it's due to COVID. Well, college football is the same thing. College football is usually more offensive-oriented, but 
even more so this year. You're seeing just, you know, wide open guys on a regular basis. So even the guys that do have a year of tape this year, is it as impactful as a normal year of regular strength tape would be for an NFL front office and GM? I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do. I would actually... When you put all of the things that I just said together with the coming drop in the NFL cap, and we're not sure where that's going to be, 175 to 185 seems to be the range, the Browns are going to have an opportunity to take advantage of the situation because there are a lot of teams out there that are going to have to just let guys go. I mean, you can only restructure so much at one time, and some other guys are going to want to get paid. So whether that be taking advantage of them in free agency or possibly trading their picks in this draft with all of the uncertainty that I just mentioned for established players that they can fit under the cap that the other team thinks they can't, I would expect a couple of those things to happen uh, January, February, March-ish, so that by the time we get to the draft in April, knock on wood, hopefully, um, we could be looking at significantly fewer picks um, and possibly you know, one or two uh, fewer high ones uh, for Andrew Barry to play with. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting. We, we have an idea of, in general, with the combination of the Saucy Brown and the Andrew Barry drafts that we know of so far, that they value age, they value measurables, and they value production. And they value character. Like, those are the four, um, and those are overly simplified statements there. But one of those we will have very little information on. They might have – they'll have very little information on, and that's production and that's tape, right? There's just not going to be a lot of it. And for a lot of players going into their junior year, they might have little flashes in their sophomore year, but their junior year really is where they take off and they get right. that production. So they won't have that. And then – we know at least what happened last year. There wasn't a lot of ways to get information, even in free agency, because that kind of kicked off in the middle of everything. And so, you know, character concerns, we, we're we not going to talk about it today, but, you know, we just got an article that dropped uh, from USA Today yeah. uh, that names Jacob Phillips and Grant Delpit, right? Like, there's not as much ability to do that research on character. So now, are, do, you're exactly right. Do the Browns go age and upside? which is so hit or miss, you never know, right? Like upside and age along with production, that's a pretty good way of looking at life, right? They're young, they're athletic, and they produce. Cool, I'm in. Now, if there's not a lot of production because there's not a lot of tape on them and we don't know anything about their character or they know very little about their character because they're not allowed to just send people on campus, which I know they do all the time, they're not allowed to do that anymore or they don't do that anymore, all of a sudden there really are throwing darts at a dartboard, and so instead, like you talked about, making those trades might make a lot more sense. Well, and you also have to throw in there into that situation, uh, another puzzle piece is the situation for the team has changed. Everybody, we've been saying since the off season, but especially since the season began and it became apparent that they're a playoff caliber but not winning the playoff caliber type teams, the window opens next year, officially. The window opens, and when you're in your window, or at least you believe you are, you behave differently. Like you always say, smart teams do smart things. So in your window, it, it might, and in my opinion, it does, in a lot of cases, not every case, a lot of cases, make more sense to move that pick for an established player. Even if he's 26, 27, 
28 is probably out of their range, but you know, rather than a 21-year-old who could develop five years from now, well, five years from now, you're going to be out of your window again. So is that really what you want? In your window, it makes it, things change. For the past few years, you've been building a roster from the ground up. So age, production, uh, potential, all those things you mentioned, that's what you look at. But now you've got enough pieces in place that you're starting to look at just the final pieces. And is that final piece to put you over the top, a 21-year-old kid who has not played a snap in the NFL? Maybe, but far more often than not, that final piece or two pieces or three pieces, whatever, to get you over that hump into, into legitimate contender status is someone who's proven themselves in the league, a... Uh, you know, you, uh, Justin Simmons or, a, a, you know, be a Dalvin Tomlinson or, you know, I, you know, I'm just picking names at random here, but somebody who you know can come in, has proven they can play and produce at a high level every Sunday against other grown men, you, you might want to spend a little bit more of that cap you've been saying on saving on those guys rather than continuing to churn out and keep the cap low for more draft picks every year. The situation changes as the window approaches, and then year three of the window is different than what it will be next year. Year five of the window, or year seven in the Saints' case, you know, they're, they're the perfect example of it. They know this is it. This is absolutely it. So they really, truly do not care that they are $100 million over the projected cap for next year. They don't care because they're all, all of their chips are in the middle to win it this year. They know next year is basically done. I mean, next year is starting the rebuild. That, that They know that. So that behaves differently than year four, which behaves differently than year one, which behaves differently than the Browns of the past five years who were nowhere near their window. So you add all of that up, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Barry handles you know, January through uh, the end of April. It's going to be a, a really fascinating stretch for Browns fans. Folks, uh, this might scare Stephen Thomas, but... It's really great when your guests can uh, just move you along exactly where you were going to go. So it was the, the, the next statement coming out of my mouth was, so, Stephen, let's put it all together. The Browns are in playoff contention, draft. It's going to look diff- – how does it look different now? Because we know Sashi and Andrew Berry and building and – we don't know what they're going to look, and then he just went there. So it's really great and probably scary <laughs> for Steven that, that he was already, and literally it's not in our little quick rundown that I sent him of what we're going to talk about. He just went there, and it's probably scary for both of us, actually, now that I think of it. Um, the football fart guy, I just he just went right where my <laughs> thoughts were going. Uh, and so, Steven, I appreciate you doing that and, and us being on the same page with that. <laughs> Well, you're on the same page with a person you just called the football fart guy, so maybe you need to reevaluate evaluate some of your life decisions to this point. You know, I might need to do that, and I'm going to go <laughs> eat some dinner here in a second. And so before I do that, uh, we're not going to bet on my life decisions, but football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. I don't think you got to wager on whether I would say the words fart and football uh, next to each other here on this podcast, but who knows? BetOnline takes care of and gives you lots of options to wager. 
You can get it on their season opening bonuses still today uh, and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Steven, I appreciate you taking time out of your day for me. Enjoy California and everything that's going on. And please, please, everyone, please take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.